of the point I want to make is that I, I've seen both in the secular and in the Christian community that calling has become very self-centered. It's often about my calling. What am I supposed to do with my life? I want my life to mean something. I, I, I. It's very self-centered. But Christian calling is not self-centered. It's other-centered. It's God-centered. The goal is to bring glory to God for the good of others. Calling is about filling God's purposes, not my need for significance. It's not me-centered. So I wonder about you. Have you ever thought about this concept of calling? Do you ever wonder what God is calling you to? I wonder if you've wondered, am I too young? Am I too old? Am I not educated enough? Am I not this? Am I not that? What is my calling? Well, tonight we're going to talk about that. So we just read it, but I think there's power in reading God's word, so we're going to read it again. Um, if we were in my small group, we would take every three verses and go right around, but um, tonight I'll just read it. We'll start in Luke 1, and if you'll turn in your Bible or your phones to Luke 1, please read along with me. We'll start in verse 26, and we'll go all the way through 45, so bear with me. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How can this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Hallelujah. So Mary's calling, like our calling, starts with Mary first encountered God here with an angel. Now, we don't know exactly what Mary's relationship with God was prior to this. This is the first we hear about Mary. This is the first we hear about her relationship with God. What we do know is we met Zachariah and Elizabeth last week. They were her cousins, and they were a devout priestly couple who loved the Lord dearly and who had just been given the longing of their heart a child. We also know that Mary and Joseph later on had Jesus dedicated in the temple at eight days, According to tradition. So most likely she was from a devout Jewish family. Um, 
But perhaps Mary, who was a young virgin, probably about 14, perhaps like many young adults, had not really, her faith perhaps had not become her own. We don't really know, but it's possible that the faith of her parents had just been passed and that she had not truly encountered God for herself. I believe that from our calling, we need to encounter God for ourselves. It can't just be the faith of our parents or our traditions. We can't just know about God. We have to know God. So my question to you is, do you know Jesus? Not just hear about him, but do you know him? And did you know he wants to know you personally, intimately? He does know you, and he wants you to know him truly as a true relationship. Also, we see that God speaks to us in a way that we will hear him. There was no mistaking that Mary was going to hear what God had to say. Here an angel showed up. I mean, there was no question here about what God was saying. God wanted her to know what was going on. He communicated to her in a way she would understand. And I wonder for you, how do you hear from God? Anyone encountered an angel? I haven't personally. But how about a still small voice? Or a song on the radio, even a non-Christian song on the radio? Perhaps a friend who just said something that you're like, man, that was like God's voice directly to me. Perhaps it's a friend. Uh, perhaps a sermon. I learn so much from what comes from the pulpit every week. God really speaks to me on Sunday mornings through worship and through teaching. But God speaks to his people. Um, I wonder sometimes, especially if we're wondering, what is my calling? Or if you have questions for God, and you're not hearing from him right away. You are pursuing God. You're doing your part to pursue him, but you haven't heard from him yet. Um, Bud had a beautiful illustration several months ago. Um, in our house, we do scavenger hunts, especially around Christmas time, and Todd is a master at this, and the kids just love it. So you have clues that go through the house, and they have to go to the next clue and find the next clue and the next clue, and the kids just, they just freak out, and they're running through the house and giggling, and they go from clue to clue to clue, and they're so delighted in this process of finding whatever it is, and usually it's not even that big of a deal. You know, it's an answer to their question. Yes, we're going on a mystery ride to go see the lights on the street, or whatever. You know, maybe it's candy. Who knows? But they so enjoy the process, and I believe that's how it is with God. If we have not yet heard from him, it's not that he's hiding himself from us to discourage us. Quite the contrary. I believe he wants us to pursue him and in the delight of the relationship, much in the way my kids delight to find the end of the scavenger hunt, I believe that we can be delighted in this process and it can build our relationship with God as we seek him continually to try to discern what he's saying to us. Another thing we learn from Mary is in verse 26, it starts in the sixth month. And some versions say in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. As we mentioned, Elizabeth is Mary's cousin. We learned about her earlier in chapter 1. She is pregnant. Um, in the Bible, anytime there's details, we need to pay attention because God never throws details in for no reason. Every word is meaningful. So we have to ask, why does God mention timing here? Before this time, there had been 400 years of silence. The people had heard nothing from God, and they were just longing for the Messiah to God's timing accompanies his calling. God
God has this plan for our lives and also for his kingdom at large, and his timing matters. And here he's letting us know the timing of Mary's encounter with God. So perhaps for you, maybe you do know your calling, but you've been waiting. Often I've found myself in that place. There have been seasons in my life where I just feel like I'm waiting. And I have this relationship with God, and he's whispered to me my calling, but I don't feel like I'm walking in it. Sometimes you have to wait. And sometimes it feels like God is silent and you haven't heard from him. But it's that it's not his timing yet. God's timing is perfect. And his timing accompanies his calling. Last week also we learned um, about Zechariah and Elizabeth and all the waiting they did. They just longed to have a child of their own. They waited a long time. They were very old. And I'm sure they'd given up hope. And perhaps you too, you've given up hope as you wait. Be encouraged. God's timing accompanies his calling. Also, the angel greets Mary and says to her, Greetings, you who are highly favored. And later he says, Mary, you have found favor with God. Now, from our perspective, we know who Mary is. She is soon to be the mother of Jesus, the Savior of the world. So when we read, Mary, you are highly favored, we kind of nod and say, Well, of course. Of course you're highly favored. You get to carry Jesus in your womb and raise him. Of course, he's high, she's highly favored. But let's step back and think about who Mary actually was. Now, if you have a Catholic background, I think Mary has become a bit of a mythical creature. And even in a Protestant background, sometimes I think Mary becomes larger than life. The truth is Mary was a young girl from a simple family. And Nazareth was a town in northern Israel, it was nestled in the hills. Um, it was kind of remote. Um, it was basically a bad town. Um, there was a trade route that went through there, but it was kind of like the ghetto. It was a bad town. Commentators suggest that it was uncultured, that there was a lot of poverty there. Um, this was not some great town. Now, if, if I was God and I was going to pick the vessel for the Son of God, for my son, I don't know that I would have picked Mary, this simple girl from a bad neighborhood, yet God chose this simple girl and calls her highly favored. Now, I want to make two points about that. Um, the first is what he actually says to her, that she is highly favored. Um, and I must admit, I was blown away by this because I wondered, is she highly favored because of her calling? Is it this high calling that she has in her life that makes her highly favored? And therefore, I have to extrapolate do I have to have this high calling to be highly favored by God? Well, this word highly favored, or you've found favor with God, is the Greek word charis. It means grace. Grace is the favor of God. It's the merciful kindness of a God who calls souls to himself. It's goodwill, loving kindness, delight. It causes joy, pleasure, and delight. And we've heard of Ephesians 2.8. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. We too, like Mary, are highly favored. Because God's grace is also upon us. It's his favor. Now, I admit, this might be Christianity 101 and somehow I missed that class. I always thought grace just had to do with sin. But grace is God's favor. It's his delight. It's his pleasure in us. And this is not 
because we've done something good or because we're about to do something great for him. It's God's favor. It's his gift to us. While we were still sinners, God offered his favor and his delight to us. So we, too, are highly favored. Because it's not our calling that makes us highly favored, but it's God's grace. It's his delight. It's his pleasure in us. It's not what we do for God. It's just that he loves us because we are his. And that just, honestly, that blew me away. It's like I feel like I understand grace a little better. It's his favor. And whether I sin or not, I have his grace, his favor, his delight. So like us, Mary is called into relationship with God. Now let me take a step to the side a little bit and better define calling the way the Bible that's what we're going to, that's part of what we're doing remember we're shaking the secular off of calling and redefining it biblically um, in Ephesians 4.1 Paul says and he's really the first one to introduce this concept of calling in the New Testament, he says I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received in 2 Thessalonians 11.1 1, he puts it this way with this in mind we constantly pray for you that our God may count you worthy of his calling, and by his power he may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by faith. This word calling, and I'm going to go to the Greek again, that's one of my favorite tricks, and it's actually really easy to do. Um, I use an app on my phone, it's called Blue Letter Bible, and you can, I get a nod, <laughs> yes, um, and you can click on any verse, and it'll give you the original language it was intended, and often you can use it to gain so much more meaning and I use that tool frequently, and I often feel like it really opens my eyes to those verses. So this word calling is the Greek word klesis, and it means a divine invitation to embrace the salvation of God. Isn't that beautiful? Let me read it again. Klesis, calling, is a divine invitation to embrace the salvation of God. So when the Bible talks about calling, it's God inviting us to himself to be saved. It's God inviting us into relationship with himself. Because from that relationship, then we can walk out fully this calling, this good that we can do for God. But it's got to start with a relationship with him. Because if we just try to do good, sure, we can do good. But if it's not out of our love for God, out of our relationship with him, it's going to be empty or it's going to be legalistic or we're going to be trying to earn his love or earn his favor. It's got to start with a relationship with God. So I want to ask you today, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you know him intimately? Because it will change your life. And if you have any questions about having a relationship with Jesus Christ, please ask someone next to you or grab someone afterwards in the front, grab me, I'll be around. Please don't leave without knowing Jesus. And many of us, we know him. We know him personally. We know him intimately. But my question for us is, when we serve God, are we doing it out of our love for him? Or are there other reasons for it? Because we will do the best good in the kingdom of God if we're doing it out of our relationship with God. So the angel, she greets Mary. The angel greets Mary, calls her into deeper relationship with God, and then he has a special assignment for her. He says to her, you will be with child 
gave birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. Mary, like we are, is uniquely purposed by God for the glory of God and the good of others. Maybe you've noticed, I like to fill in the blanks. On the back of your program, we have some fill in the blanks if you're one of those fill in the blank people. That's why they're underlined, so you can fill in the blanks. So if not, fine, ignore it, but you know, if you're that type like I am, fill in the blank, go ahead. So we are uniquely purposed by God for the glory of God and the good of others. Now, I mentioned that Mary was this simple girl that God called highly favored. Yet God chose her to be the mother of Jesus. I think sometimes we forget that God has uniquely purposed us to be good. Ephesians 2.10 says we are God's workmanship. Some versions say his masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I think sometimes we feel inadequate to do what God's asked us to do. Or we come up with all these reasons why we can't. I'm too young. I'm too old. I'm too busy. I have too many children. I don't have children yet. I'm not married. I'm not this. I'm not that. We create all these lists that disqualify us for doing the God that good that God has for us. God chose a simple girl and based on the text, I don't see any reason why she was so perfect for the job. But God knew. God knew what he wanted. He knew the vessel he wanted for his son. And he chose her. And he chooses you. And he chooses me. Uniquely. As I am. As I'm created. With the experiences I've had, good and bad. And I'm uniquely purposed. I think we can go two ways with calling. Um, Some of us are big dreamers. And we feel like God has laid big big callings on our lives. I think we can take that two ways. We can think, well, I must be special and better if I have this high calling. I think sometimes ministry gets that label, and I admit to you that I've been in that place, that, well, if I'm called to ministry, well, then I must be more highly favored. And that's pride. It's not correct. God calls us. He has the kingdom of God has purposes for his entire kingdom and each of us play a part and no part is higher or better than another and no one of us is is disqualified based on how simple or how sophisticated we are I think we can go the other way and we can overlook these small callings and I'll call them small because I think no call is so big or so small Um, I did that with motherhood for many years because the truth is motherhood is common many of us are moms. It doesn't seem like a special calling. Um, And honestly, the calling of motherhood has a lot of the mundane attached to it. I do a whole lot of laundry. I do a whole lot of dishes. I've cleaned up all kinds of messes that I will not describe this evening. It is a simple thing, but it is important to God that I walk this out. So we don't want to be prideful because we think we're better or because we think it's too small. We also, sometimes those big dreams, we might feel inadequate. But still, that's so self-centered to say, I can't do that, God. I'm not good enough to do that thing that you've called me to. That's inadequacy, which is still self-centered. Calling cannot be 
so whether we're a goat inadequacy or pride, either way, the focus is me, and the focus should be God, and what God has called us to, and the good that we can do for others. So Mary was uniquely purposed, and so are we. I also want to mention uh, Zechariah 4.10 says, don't despise the small things. I love that verse. Because even the small things, they matter to God. If God is calling us to the small things, they're important to him. He wouldn't ask us to do it if it wasn't important. And I wonder, too, is God calling you to make that phone call? Or calling you to talk to that coworker? Or calling you bring a meal to a neighbor, or calling you to take that job, or to quit that job, or calling you to stay right where you are, even though you don't want to, or calling you to move forward, even though you're terrified. Calling is as unique as we are. So calling, Mary has a limitation here, and she mentions it in verse 34. She says, how will this be, of course, can I be pregnant, God? I'm a virgin. So she's got an impossible calling here. Do we agree? This is an impossible calling. She's never been with a man, and God says, you're going to get pregnant. She's an impossible calling. The big dreams might feel impossible, even the small. There were times in the middle of the night when my small call felt impossible, that what God is asking us to do just feels too big or too hard. Here's the difference. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit takes these impossible dreams, these impossible limitations, and he makes them possible, not because of who I am, but because of who he is. Mary, like we are, was empowered by the Holy Spirit to do good works. She was empowered by the Holy Spirit to do what God asked us to do, as are we. And I admit to you today, I was I don't want to just say a bunch of nice words. I need your spirit to make notes on a paper alive and purposeful. And only the Holy Spirit does that, because otherwise it's, it's just a bunch of nice words. Um, in the next year, our theme is Fan the Flame. And we're going to be talking about who the Holy Spirit is, talking about spiritual gifts, what it means truly to walk out our calling as we are gifted. Um, so I look forward to that. I think we, we're going to learn a great deal so after being called into relationship with himself, being uniquely purposed by God for the glory of God, the good of others, being empowered by the Holy Spirit, Mary hurries off to see her cousin Elizabeth in Judea. Now, I personally wonder why she hurries off. Um, maybe she just got word of her cousin's pregnancy and it is a miracle. Maybe she realizes what her culture, a pregnant woman out of wedlock is at risk of stoning. They could have killed her for being pregnant and unmarried. Um, and at this point, we don't quite know what's going to go on with Joseph. Now, Joseph ultimately decides to marry her, but we don't quite know that in this story, in this narrative in Luke. So, so she hurries off. <laughs> Maybe she's got to regroup and figure it out. And she goes to Elizabeth, her cousin. I think Mary chose wisely who she went to visit. She went to go visit a godly woman who's just experienced a miraculous pregnancy, who has a great relationship with God, and Mary goes to her to find encouragement. I believe that we also should be encouraged.
by our Christian community. Um, and let me illustrate this best because I have been really blessed to be encouraged by my Christian community. Um, I lived in Pennsylvania for seven years. Um, the year after Todd and I got married, um, we moved to Pennsylvania and my older three children were born there. We put down roots, we built a house, we had a church we loved. And I met a dear woman named Stacy. We met at a small group, like cluster meeting where you get connected to a small group. Um, and you were supposed to find the person in the room who looked the most like you. And we kind of looked at each other. We had brown hair and we were about the same age. And, you know, it, I didn't realize at that, that chance encounter what a gift from God she would be to me. Um, so we attended Bible study together. We had our babies together. Um, and, you know, our, our older couple kids were toddlers and babies. And we'd go to Bible study and then we would uh, go back to a nursery and bring a picnic lunch and we'd kind of discuss what we just learned in our Bible study. And it was just a really sweet time, she and I, just to discuss the word and enjoy it. And the kids played and it was just, it was just a really wonderful time. So after months of this, just discussing the word and enjoying this really wonderful fellowship, she said to me, Jen, have you ever considered teaching the Bible? And I was like, you have to get invited to do that. And I, I don't, I didn't go to Bible school and all the excuses, the excuses, and, you know, how could I even start that? And you can't go and just tell them you want to do that. You know, they have to see you and you have to be a small group leader first and you have to do this. And I just had all these excuses. And she just gently, kindly, just, come on, just do it. And just nudged me in that direction. And so I went to the minister, the women's ministry leader and I just said, hey, have any needs ever to teach the Bible? Well, I guess I would love to. Um, and she took a risk on me, and um, I taught for my first time in Pennsylvania, and it was like something came alive in me when I did that. It was like I took the first step into my calling, and I didn't even know that it was my calling. And she was a major part of that. Um, when I moved back to Connecticut, we're from here originally, it was Doug and Karis that played a huge role in kind of nudging me again. Apparently, I'm the person who needs, you know, swift kicks to get me going. Um, and this time, it was like, hey, we want you to preach on a Sunday morning. And I, again, had a, about a million excuses like, wait, I, there's all these things that disqualify me from that. And honestly, it took a couple years for me to say yes. And then I said no for a while, too. I haven't done this for a while. Um, but again, God used my community to encourage me in my calling. Um, and last Thursday night in small groups, again, we were talking about this. And, um, and then it was my small group who's here, encouraging me here, cheering me on, who just deeply encouraged and affirmed me and kind of like, go, you know, what a blessing to have Christians around you to encourage you, to call things out of you, to say, this is what I see in you. This is the gifting I see. This is how I see you serving God with great effectiveness. And I have been blessed by that. And I wonder if you have. I wonder what your Christian community is. Are you in a small group? I have to put a plug in for that. Life groups are such a gift from God because you gather together in a group of Christians to study the Bible and just live life together. And it's just a wonderful way to be together and be one another, both in your calling and in your lives. What a gift. 
So back to Mary. Mary goes to Elizabeth. Elizabeth prophesies over her in a loud voice. Bless are you among women. I mean, you wonder if Mary was freaking out at this point. Like, an angel visited me, and now I'm pregnant, and I might get killed. And Elizabeth just encourages her, prophesies over her, confirms the calling that the angel put on her. What a blessing. What a blessing. So tonight, I don't know where you are at when it comes to calling. I don't know if your concept of calling has gotten confused by all the messages, kind of all the noise. But let me encourage you, it's got to start with a relationship with God. So if nothing else, go back home and get into your quiet place. God, how are we doing? Where are we at in our relationship? Are we good? sin I need to confess? Is there just, has there been space and time between us? Has it been a while since we've talked? And God, I can't really hear you. Could you speak to me in a way that I can hear you? And from there, we need to remember that we are uniquely purposed. That God has created each of us from salvation. God has a plan and a purpose on our lives, and we are uniquely called to do good for the kingdom of his glory and for the good of others. We can't do it alone. We need the Holy Spirit to empower us, to help us to walk through it. And then we can't do it alone without our friends, without our Christian community. We need them around us because I personally can't do it alone, and I'm sure, like me, you need someone. Sometimes you need a full kick in your tail, and sometimes you just need someone to come alongside you or just stand next to you or just show up. So I pray, God, that, that God would do a work, that God would help you discover your calling. Because we need you. We need you to do what God has set you here to do. We need that because we are the church. And God has called us to do good for his kingdom. And if we each are playing our part, it's amazing what can happen. So let me close with some prayer. God, I pray that you would do a new work in this church, God, that we would stop making excuses. First, I pray, God, that you would deepen our intimacy and our relationship with you, that we would not do good to try to earn your love or to try to look good or to try to make up for the bad that we've done, but, God, that we would truly serve others out of our love for you. God, I pray that you break inadequacy and pride, that we would just have our eyes focused on you as we are loving our brother, our sister, our neighbor. God, I pray that you would speak to us in ways that we would hear you. Help us to trust in your timing and in your ways. God, help us never to think something is too small or too big for you to accomplish in our lives. God, please put us in families, this family of God that you put us in. But God, sometimes we need a smaller place would you put us in smaller places with people who love us and encourage us that we might not walk alone? And I pray all of this in Jesus' name.
Cause now 